Welcome to another episode of the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. I'm so excited to introduce to you Shannon, aka Mrs. Vondi, and often called the email queen. Shannon went from burnt out wedding photographer to email obsessed when she sent one email and made $2,600. After earning an additional $13,000 that year from email marketing alone, she created the email club. Now, she's on a mission to help business owners discover that email is easy, fun, and extremely profitable. Listen in as we talk about email so you can start making money from your list. Welcome to the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. I'm Jen Bays. And I'm Sabrina Chapman. And, and we're, we're your, your hosts host this, this season. season. We're so excited about this season and all the incredible guests we've had on. This season, we are diving into several topics with various professional photographers across the nation. From talking about the importance of balance to successful mini sessions, building a national brand, and more. Our goal was for you to walk away with tangible tips, inspiration, and resources to grow your own photography business. So grab your emotional support water bottle or your favorite mug and let's dive into this season. Welcome back. Thank you for listening in. We have Shannon here with us today. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to chat today. So can you tell us about your business that you have, please? Yeah, I am an email marketer. So I love to help other business owners use the power of email to grow their businesses and make more money. Okay. How long have you been in business? Yes. I actually have been running my email business for about two-ish years, but I've been a a wedding photographer for 13. So I kind of pivoted into uh, email marketing when 2020 happened, as we all know. So do you do both now still or just the email marketing? I do a little bit of both. Now the photography business has kind of become more of the smaller business and the email business is more full-time. So I guess part-time more with the photography business and more full-time with the email business. I've actually successfully flipped them. So that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah, that is. That's interesting. So Shannon, tell us, I love that you started out as a wedding photographer. What helped you decide or like, what was the moment you're like, screw weddings. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And this other incredible avenue of business is open to me. Like what, what was the moment? Yeah. So a little bit about my story was, so I like to say I went from burnt out wedding photographer to email obsessed when I sent one email to my list and I earned $2,600. And I had always heard email marketing was incredible, but I had used it before in my uh, photography business and was always like not seeing any results. I kind of always wondered, what are people talking about? I actually embarrassingly hate to admit this, but I actually thought, oh, email must not work for photographers, which obviously could not have been more wrong. So when we were on track in 2020 to have our biggest year. And of course, everything changed in March of 2020. And so I started actually helping a friend of mine who does email marketing, because then she was stuck at home with her two children, and she needed help. So I was like, well, my calendar is completely open, what can I do for you? So I started helping her a little bit with email marketing and really learning how to use email marketing. So I thought, you know what, let me just try it. Let's just see what happens. I really have nothing to lose. Let's just see what happens. So I ran a print sale for my current couples and clients. We also do some family photography. And so I ran a print sale for them. And that was when I sent the email made $2,600. And I thought, 
oh, (laughs) this is what people have been saying when they say email marketing is magic. But I will tell you, I was very skeptical. I thought, you know what, this this could be a fluke. This could just be a one-time thing. People are feeling bad for people because of COVID, all this stuff, right? So I ran another print sale probably four to five months later, and I made another $1,400. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. And actually, when I calculated the entire year, because I do have a few automations set up, I realized I had made $13,000 that year from email marketing in my photography business alone. Wow. That's incredible. So you sent out a couple of emails, you make $13,000 in the first year, just testing things out. So what was the process for you to go from like, oh, this is cool to I am making this my business? Yeah. So I kind of started to think, I was like, you know what, do other business owners know about this? How come nobody's teaching other business owners how to do this? Like somebody should be doing it for them. And that's kind of when the light bulb moment hit me of, I should do this for other people. I should teach them how to do this. I'm obsessed with this. I should share how important this is and how cool it is and how I, at the time in my photography business, beside everything going on with 2020 and that everything that entailed that year, I had already been kind of feeling burnout. I worked all the hours. I'm sure if any photographer or wedding professional or anybody like that is listening to this, even a business owner, I worked all the hours. I worked all the time. I was always exhausted. I was, and I was always broke. I never had money in my bank account. I was just always like, well, okay. You know, like we'd go through the quote unquote busy season of fall and I would just get to January and then it was dead and I'd have no money because I literally was just working, working, working. And it was this vicious cycle over and over. And I was like, that's when I started implementing and learning email that everything changed. And I realized I didn't have to work as hard. I could have email work, do a lot of the heavy lifting for me, do a lot of my marketing for me, which now seems silly to say that out loud that email marketing would do marketing for you, but I, I was a naive <laughs> business owner. Um, so I think that that was when I really started to realize I didn't need to keep working so hard. I didn't need to keep burning myself out. I could find other ways to bring in income that took less time. So do you teach other clients how to do the email marketing or do you just do it for them? We do a little bit of both. So I have an agency that can do, we do done for you services. And then we also have done with you services that we'll do through courses and workshops. And then I also have a membership. So if business owners are looking for a place that they can come and just start to bounce ideas off of each other, get accountability, all that kind of stuff, we have the membership that helps them a lot with getting all their emails done and seeing actually results with email marketing. Yeah. So did you take any classes or courses to teach you how to do these? Or are you pretty much self-taught and you kind of figured it out as you went? I'm pretty much self-taught. I'm kind of, I am tend to learn really well by doing, but also I learn a lot by discussing with other people. So I've mm-hmm. done a lot of, I have a, a few email friends and we tend to bounce ideas around and, you know, marketing's always changing. So sometimes you do have to like have conversations with people to be like, okay, what is working now? What isn't? What What's doing what's not doing, like what are people into? So a lot of that in, and obviously some trial and error too, but yes, I mean, really I did a lot of just learning by helping other either email marketing people learning from them, just kind of observing mm-hmm. if they have, I, I don't know that I ever actually took too many courses per se, like formal courses, but I definitely did a lot of hands-on learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome that you're able to kind of teach yourself that still takes a lot of work but to do the research and the, and the work to learn on your own as well. 
I think once you start loving something too, like once you really, I'm such a nerd. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love everything about email. (laughs) So like once you start really liking it, you get excited to learn things about it too. You're like, oh, you do this. And again, I know this is so nerdy to people who are not into this, but like just my email friends and I can just geek out over stupid features and things that were just, oh, will that work for this? Or could we try it like this? And anybody who does anything with marketing too, there's just something so cool about experimenting with different marketing strategies and techniques and to just try and see what, is going to hit, what isn't going to hit, what may hit with one audience that doesn't hit with another audience. I personally find that very fascinating and very fun. Whereas I know some people that may sound like torture, but it is one of those things that I think is, it's like anything you love doing, right? Like if you love photography, if you love whatever you do, you like learning about it. You want to absorb as much as you can. I think that's one thing that I love about this whole world of online entrepreneurship Mm-hmm. You don't need a degree. You don't need a certification. You don't need to go and spend thousands of dollars to be qualified to do the thing. Google, YouTube, and mentors are the best resources to have a successful business. And I I love hearing those different stories over and over because it's it's just emphasizes that point. Like anybody can do this. Anybody can come out here and make a business that is outside of what we were taught in school 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think is really empowering. I mean, obviously we have to be somewhat cautious to make sure we're not just hiring people that say they're good at things because right. that's kind of the the flip side. But what I think, I agree with you. I think it's so cool that we can learn from other people really a lot easier than maybe that was to do what 20 years ago before the internet was what the internet is now, maybe, maybe even more than that. But it's, it is, it is really cool how you don't have to get the same amount of education anymore, formal education anymore that once was so, uh, what's the word like coveted, right? Like it was, (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but when I went to school or when I was like kid, you know, it was like, you're going to go to college. It was not an option. And now I feel like I'd almost recommend kids don't. (laughs) So it's just so crazy how it's absolutely changed. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you now correct me if I'm wrong, but you ran the wedding photography business with your husband, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. does that look like? Like, is he doing the email marketing thing with you? Is he the, like, what has that shift process been in the home? Yeah. So we did run our photography. Well, I guess we still technically run our photography business together. We've been doing that now we're 13 years. So then was 10 years in 2020 when this all changed. I run the email stuff mainly. That's just my business. My husband obviously will lend me an ear and all the things our our partners do for us, yeah. when we're, especially when we're entrepreneurs. So he does that, but he also started his own mindfulness company. So he's actually doing his own thing as well. So we're just we're just a house full of entrepreneurs over here. So yeah, he's been he dealt with his own depression in 2021, and so he went on to do his own try and help people who are suffering from depression or just regular sadness or just even anxiety from their day-to-day life. So he's been, he developed a journal and that's what he's been working on. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. I think everybody kind of needs that little bit of help. (laughs) I know it's actually really nice. I I need to keep doing, it's like a daily journal and I need to do it more and more. But whenever I do, I do notice a difference in my mental health. So it is helpful, but obviously we have to do it. (laughs) And does he do his own email marketing or do you do that for him? (laughs) 
I do sometimes do that for him. He's he was on a little bit of a pause, so we're we're picking that back up again. But he did take a little bit of a pause this past year. But yes, we we have been doing that for him. Yeah, not. <laughs> That would probably be my husband too. He'd be like, I'm too busy. Can you handle this since, you know, that's your forte? Like, no, you can, (laughs) you can do that. (laughs) You get it. Often have to (laughs) say you, you need to figure this out on your own if you're going to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Absolutely. So you started the, the email marketing business. Now you're helping business owners run their own emails and start making more money. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your top tips for business owners that are ready to start an email list and don't know where to start, don't know what to write, all of the things. Yeah. So I would say if you have literally either kind of tried email before, or maybe have never done it, what I would recommend doing is just starting. I know that sounds silly, but I'm going to give you tactful tips. So I would pick an email provider if you don't already have one. I personally like Flowdesk. Jen, I think you use Flowdesk for your business too. I like it because it's relatively affordable. It's pretty, it's especially if you're any kind of creative, I find it's pretty straightforward. It's easy to make look the way you want it to look. Another one I did like for a while, they've just changed things in there. So I'm, a, I'm not as in love with it as I used to, but it is free for quite a while it is called Mailer Light. That's another really good one that's cost effective. Yeah. So if you need a place to start and you really don't want to spend any money at all, I feel like that's a good place to start. And then I would pick your email provider I would create an opt-in form so people can opt into your email list. Any provider you choose will tell you exactly how to do this, walk you through how to do it. Just find where to create some sort of opt-in form. You can create it so it's on their server that you can just send a link or you can create it so that you can put it onto your own website and just create a page on your website and then send that to people for them to sign up. And then I would just start talking about it. I would start saying like, hey, I'm starting an email list. Start sharing about it on all the places you show up, your Instagram, any other social platforms. I tend to use Instagram. So I would say I use my stories a lot to promote. You can use any posts you want to or reels and just start talking about it and make sure people know it exists. And honestly, that's really all you need to do. I would also pick a frequency you're going to send your newsletter, your email. I recommend weekly. I know for some people that seems like an extreme uh, commitment. But if you only send one a week, that's only for a month. So if you're a batch worker, you could totally start on the first of the month, write four emails, schedule them all and be done. But if you really can't commit to once a week, every other week may work to get you started. And then I think you can up your frequency. But whatever you choose, just try and stick to that consistency. Because I think that it's one empowering. So you feel really good that you're like hitting your your target every month that you're or every month, every week, whatever you're sending. And then yeah, like I said, I think that's really all you need to do. I think sometimes we think we need to create these like elaborate welcome sequences or elaborate threads of emails that need to be there before we can start really sending emails. But I don't think that's true. I don't think you'd need to have that to start. You can do that as you go. If you want to have a welcome email, I think that's like the cherry on top. You could create an automated email that goes out when people come onto your list, it just welcomes them. And that's literally, you do not need the whole chain of emails going out your very first sequence. Like I I feel like we just overcomplicate that. So I would just start and then you can build from there rather than trying to build everything and then start emailing regularly. I love that. One of the things that I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught in is thinking they have to do anything constantly instead of consistently. 
Whether Mm. it's marketing or showing up on social media or sending a newsletter or however else they want to show up, they think it has to be constant. And that's not the case. It just needs to be consistent. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point because I do think people get caught in that. I know that you said you use Flowdesk and then another option is MailerLite. So if somebody, if a company is, you know, needs a more cost-effective platform or email service provider, can you start with MailerLite and then easily transition to Flowdesk or anything? Or is it a real pain in the butt? Yeah, you absolutely could. Depending how long you're in a platform, yes, it could be a pain. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's moving, right? Like we all have moved probably in our lives at some point and moving is moving, (laughs) It's always kind of a pain in the ass, but we can find a way to make it happen. We make it happen. So depending how long you've been on a provider, yes, you can always choose one and then move. I'm I'm even th- starting to kind of outgrow Flowdesk because it's a great platform, but there's just some things that aren't necessarily there. And as an email marketer, I'm starting to need more of tools that are higher end than what I need from as a beginner. But again, I think these are great places if you are brand new to email to get started. And then as you grow, you can start moving to a different platform or finding ways to make the platform you're in. Cause I would say MailerLite is actually one you could grow with a little bit at the moment at this moment in time is one you could probably grow with slightly better than Flowdesk, but I don't know. Flowdesk is always making changes and upgrades. And and so there may be things down the line that we're going to get that aren't there right now that will be. So again, I think just starting, figure out what works for you. I wouldn't overthink it. And just again, like Sabrina saying, you can always switch if you're like, you know what? I hate this platform. Actually, that's what I did too. I started in MailChimp, which I, I actually love MailChimp now, but I started in MailChimp and I didn't understand how to use it. And I didn't know how to make my emails look the way I wanted. And once I found Floodust, that's actually when I fell in love a little bit more with email. Cause I was like, oh, I can make these look good. I can make this pretty and look the way I want it to a lot easier than I could in mail chimp. Although now I can make that too, but that's another story for another day. And that's one thing that like, I want our audience to speak to. If you start with one platform and you're like, I just need to make it work on this platform because of, for whatever reason, you know, it was recommended to you or you've invested this much time and money into it, whatever. If it's not working for you, just move to a different platform. I can't tell you how many times I talked to Shannon and our friend Caitlin about a previous platform that I was on that I was on for almost two years or three years. I spent literally thousands of dollars on this platform and sent less emails than I have in the last five months that I've been back on Flowdesk. And Jen, you have a crazy story too, that you just recently used email to sell an offer, a new offer you have and fill it, right? Or at least get like several people inside using email, which you weren't (laughs) using before. Yeah, I, you know, I've been working on my email list. They've been getting consistent emails from me for five or six months now. And I ended up sending like a very random email to my list Wednesday morning. I was like, listen, I am looking for three to five ladies to meet between this time and this time. If you can, let's do this. And all the spots got booked. And yeah, I ended up selling the only way to work with me now and a brand new offer the same day, which was mind boggling. So emails magic, (laughs) y'all. No one believes me until they use it and they get a result like that and they go, okay. Emails okay, awesome. Maybe it's, maybe it's pretty. Maybe it's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so let's. Um, so we talked to people who are wanting to get started, like getting an email list started. 
now talk to me about the business owners that they have an email list. Let's say they're somewhere between like 50-ish subscribers to a few hundred subscribers, and they're wanting to really start maximizing that audience. What would you recommend them kind of starting to think about? Okay. There's lots and lots of things. So take all of this with a grain of salt, depending on where you are in your business and your email journey. But I would say, let's say you're wanting more opens, right? You feel like you're not seeing as many opens to your email as you're wanting to. I would start looking at your subject lines. That's where I would start because if your subject lines are kind of boring or let's say vanilla, right? Like they're just kind of plain. They're not really giving people anything, a reason to open. That's probably where you want to start if you want to see a higher open rate. If you are seeing low engagement, like low click rates, you're not really getting replies. What I would look at are several things here. So I would say, look and see if you are making your call to action, what you want them to do after reading your email, extremely clear. Because often I find that people are putting links in their emails or maybe not even putting links in their emails. I've seen this happen too, that somebody was no one buying. And I'm like, you don't have a link to an offer. (laughs) So they don't know what to do. It's not clear what they're supposed to do to take advantage of said offer. So again, I know it sounds so simple, but sometimes we're just missing little tiny things and it's really not a big tweak. So go and double check that your links are I like to use a big fat button in my emails. My, my members know that that's one of my sayings is you have a big fat button and I like to make it a big, beautiful brand color. So it like shows up. People know exactly what I want them to do in my emails because they know there's a button. That's what I'm going to click. You can also test things. Sometimes I'll test with doing several links versus just one link because Often, if you're putting multiple links in an email and you're not getting any clicks, maybe try just doing one and see if you can get people to just do the one thing or vice versa, right? Like if you're only putting one thing in there and like no one's really clicking, try sending an email with some like really fun kind of not clickbaity, but just intriguing things for them to click on, right? Like I have a friend who actually does that. She's an email person and she sends a weekly email that's, I think she usually says it's like number of things to click on. So if it's seven things to click on, she'll say seven things to click on. And she'll put, oh, if I could get this ice cream flavor near me. And you're like, what ice cream flavor? I got to find out. So you like click it, you know, you could test some of these things to try and get people to engage a little bit more, make sure they're actually there. Because sometimes we do get bots or they're just not using that email address anymore, what have you. And if at the end of this, you are still not seeing results, I think that you need to look into doing some sort of cleanup strategy with your list, which I could go into, but I don't want to talk forever. But essentially, you just want to go through and try and clean out some of those emails again, that maybe are just dead emails, they're not using those emails anymore, things like that, that you can kind of clean up. There's a lot of strategy that goes into that. And I'd be happy to talk with people about it. But again, I I don't want to, it's like a whole podcast. So we'll save that for a future one. But these are some things I would look at in your emails to really make sure those are performing well. If you're still struggling with getting people to actually take action, they're not buying, they're not doing what you want them to do. I would look at your messaging and your nurturing sequence, right? So if you're not, and again, when I say sequence, that doesn't necessarily mean you need a sequence of emails per se, but how are you nurturing these people? Where are they not getting information they need to take action? And where can you give them information to get them to take action? So maybe it is building a nurture sequence before they come into your weekly emails. So maybe you do want to do some sort of welcome, some sort of, if you have an offer coming, a really good free resource for them to come in on and then go through a nurture sequence to warm them up to purchase your offer. 
But often it's just one of those things too, that I find that people are just sending emails kind of sounding like a robot. They're like, Hey, (laughs) this is my email list. I don't know how to write to you. So maybe pick one person on your email list and write your email to them and try that for a while and see how that might change your relationship with your email list. Stop thinking of them as somebody that's this weird thing inside your computer that you're writing to and think of it as an actual human being. What would you say to a friend? How would you talk to them? I used to do this trick when I first, now I've done it so many times and and that's what's the beauty of emails. The more you do it, the better you get at it. But I used to go through my list of my email subscribers and I would just like kind of scroll until I saw somebody's name I knew. And I was like, oh, I'll write it to her. Let me write that this email to her. And that really helped me find my voice to know how to speak to them and not sound like a robot being like, <laughs> buy my stuff. <laughs> because often that's what people, they just don't feel connected or don't understand why they need it, what the value is. Again, there's so much strategy that goes into all of our marketing but there are some hopefully quick tips you can take away today and get better results from your email. How the heck do you choose your topics on what to write? If you're doing them weekly or even monthly, I feel like I would run out of stuff to say if I didn't have an offer to present every single time. I feel like I would just be repeating myself. I don't even know what I would say, but just how do you come up with your topics? Yeah, that's a great question that I'm sure many, many people are thinking, how do I write this many emails? One of my girls in my membership, I love her. She's always saying, that's an email. That's everything's an email. Like she's always like saying this to me. She literally DM me, I think twice this weekend to tell me two of my stories were emails. I think what happens is we get in our heads that emails have to be this business thing. They always have to be related to our business. They always have to be maybe formal. I don't know what people usually think exactly, but like they don't, that's the fun thing. They don't have to always be about business. You could, I've shared recipes I've liked. I've shared yoga practices I've done that I've enjoyed. The member in my membership and I were talking about pumpkin spice lattes and how we think Starbucks has the worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, that's an email. That's an email. So you could literally write about how everyone loves pumpkin spice. I love it, but I can't stand Starbucks ones. So if you've never, you know, like you could tell this whole story and then be like, maybe you can tie it back to your business, mm-hmm. right? Like, Hey, I've never loved pumpkin spice lattes, but that's okay. They're not for everyone. There's still a coffee drink for everyone at Starbucks. I'm not the right photographer for every single person, but as long as I have 20, 30 people, however many people, how many weddings clients you want a year, that's all that matters, right? So you could do this whole email of just like talking about how pumpkin spice lattes suck or you love them, whatever it is. And then you could talk about how it relates to your offers or business or just Again, not all emails have to be selling. Not all emails have to be about business. You could totally just, I've written about Christmas ornaments and my dogs. (laughs) You can literally talk about anything and turn it into a way that you can also just connect with people. Because we have to remember getting into somebody's inbox is kind of intimate. It feels a little like we're in their space. Like I'll DM anyone, but like respond to an email in my inbox. I'm like, like, that's too personal. But It's such a great connection because people are seeing your name. They're usually reading because we're not fighting an algorithm to get in front of them with an email. Mm -hmm. And people also, this is something I think that people get in their head. I hear all the time. I'm worried I'll annoy my list. I'm like, people have signed up. They've literally raised their hand and said, I want your emails. I want to hear from you. I want more of you. Wouldn't it be more annoying and more of a disservice to them if we don't Mm -hmm. email them? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They've said they want to hear from you. Let's let's talk to them, you know? So I, I think it's, 
But I still have to give myself this pep talk too sometimes. Of, can I send another email this week? Yes, it's your email I mean, list. You can do whatever yeah, you want. And if, and if the recipient doesn't want to read it, they don't read it. It's not as intrusive exactly. as a DM where it's, I, I, I guess I would feel kind of put on the spot if someone DM'd me. I'd be like, oh gosh, like they can see that I read it. They can see that I opened it. Now I have to respond. Whereas an email, I'm like, I don't have time for this right now. You know, I'll, I'll save it for later or something like that. But I love the idea of sending whatever you want in an email. Because, and, and I think that kind of helps break it up too. It's not always just so businessy. Whenever I, whenever I were to read somebody's emails, I'm like, great, another business email. Rather than like a funny story about a dog or the pumpkin spice lattes, I'm like, okay, I can kind of connect with her a little bit more. And that just kind of puts you more on a personal level with, with somebody instead. I love that idea. Yes. I just like whispered creepily like, yes, <laughs> when you said that, because it's that's exactly what it's about is you can actually connect and relate more when we send emails that aren't necessarily just business driven. So yeah, I think that that I'm, I hope that that was super helpful because I think that that was such a great question that people I often, often. Now, what hear. do you think about length of emails? Do you think, you know, you can just send short, sweet emails to the point, or do they all have to be like super lengthy and funny jokes and like all these puns and stuff? What's your, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I do love puns. <laughs> Truly. I do. It's like one of my favorite things, but, um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of the beauty of an email is it can be whatever you want it to be. So I love that they can be some of the best performing emails I've sent. Some I've gotten are literally a couple sentences. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think that's part of it too, is we're overthinking that we need to write this like blog post to people. But really a lot of times, like I would even take time and look at some of the emails you get from businesses or people you like. I bet you'll see a couple of them are literally like, Hey, did you want to do this here? And like, (laughs) how many times do we kind of click that because it's easy. It makes sense. It's clear. So I think that that's awesome. I actually think a lot of times, especially if you're selling something, it's easy to just do a very quick, like to the point kind of email. Like you don't need to get crazy with it. Or if like something's ending, I see this work really well too. If you're expiring an offer, closing Mm -hmm. doors, whatever you're doing with an offer. If you just send a thing like, Hey, at the very end of just like, or I've done this with my print sales too. At the very end, I'll just be like, Hey, just a reminder, uh, sale ends in three hours. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just like click here to shop, click here to buy, whatever it is. And I've actually had people thank me for that email. I had somebody call me on the phone and (laughs) thank me for sending that email. Cause she was like, I have a toddler. I forgot. Like I did want to order prints and I'm so glad you sent that email because otherwise I would have not ordered and I would have been out of sale if I hadn't sent it. So I think sometimes there's a great time and place for a very short email. But in that case too, if you're start, if maybe some people are long winded, I'm sure some of us are like, what? Um, <laughs> but some people do have a lot to say. And I think that's fine too. I think it's one of those things you just want to train your audience for what mm-hmm. you're going to do. Right. So, and you can vary it too. try a long email, see if people resonate with it more, try a shorter email, see if people resonate. I tend to lean towards short emails because yeah. I'm busy. I think I've heard we have like 13 seconds that people skim an email. So I try and keep it super short. I tend to write everything down and then take out whatever I could not. If Essentially, if I took out any more, the email mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense. So I'll try and simplify my language to make it really concise. And just like, what do they need in this email? Like, I don't need to keep adding ands yeah. and that so's. And this is, again, this isn't an <laughs> essay we're writing for school of hit a word count. So I think it's one of those things that like, I personally like concise, shorter email. But again, try it out. Maybe if you're a writer, if I had somebody do this too, she was, she wasn't a therapist, but she kind of had that vibe of 
quality. She wrote extremely long emails and people ate them up. They loved them. So like I said, if you're one of those people that have long stories to tell, we'll all sit and read a good story. If you tell a good story, we'll sit and read it as long as it is, right? I mean, I just watched a whole show I'm not sure I even liked because the storytelling was good. So So if you've got a good story, tell it. People will read it. They love it. So I'm, I'm thinking about just as a business first starting out, where do you get your client lists? Do you post it on your Facebook page and like, hey, if you want to get my emails, you know, sign up or where else can you advertise that in order to to be able to grow your email list? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you can share wherever you like to hang out. So if you are in Facebook, that's a great place to get started, letting people know the benefits of being on your email list, like what you're going to talk about, why it's important to them. Cause you don't want to get people on there that aren't interested in what you're going to be talking about. And it's okay if you change too. I did this when I first started my Mrs. Vondi email list is I kind of just talked about random things, not, and then it kind of fell into my email world. So I, as I pivoted, yeah, some people kind of opted out because it wasn't the right content for them anymore. And that's okay too. But I think that those are good things you can start. Facebook is great groups on Facebook, but do double check that you can. Some groups have rules that you can't promote certain things. So do double check that that's okay. Another places you can share them are obviously on your website. If you have a website in your link in bio is a good one. I sometimes like to take advantage of both places on my website as far as like, there's like a banner. If you have that ability, you could do your banner. You could leave it in your footer. And then I just like talking about it. Honestly, I grew my list of 50 people just talking about it on Instagram stories, but you could do TikToks on it. You could do LinkedIn is another good one. If anybody uses that, that's Mm -hmm. another great platform. Even Pinterest, you can share your list there, share you know, your freebie, if you have a freebie, I know we haven't gone into that too much, but essentially a free resource you'd give your audience. You could do something like that there on, there's just so many different ways and places to share it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Do you want to touch base on freebies? Yes. A freebie or lead magnet. This is one beautiful thing about email is we like to have 18 different words for the same thing. So <laughs> You'll notice that in email providers too. But yeah, so essentially, if you have a lead magnet, freebie, whatever you want to call it, it's like something you give in exchange mm-hmm. for somebody's email address. So if that is a PDF download, I think that's typically what we see. Sometimes people use quizzes, those are another really good lead magnet. A challenge. Sometimes people do like an email challenge, like get on my email list to grow your Instagram or something like that, right? They'll like drop you mm-hmm. tips every day, that kind of thing. So these are really fun ways to get people onto your list that tend to get you more people than, like I said, I like to just talk about it, but you still have to talk about your free resource. But sometimes people are more enticed by a free resource than they are just saying like, quote unquote, get on my newsletter. It's like most people don't want, it's not very juicy or fun, you know? Okay. Yeah. Does that kind of answer it? Is there more questions? No, no, I totally get it. Um, And you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit when I first, I don't know, one of the first few couple freebies I got, it was like, yeah, give us your email address and and we'll send it right over. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I got their emails. I'm like, oh, you tricked me. You got me on your email list. That's how you did that. But I mean, it was a smart way to do it. You know, they, they, they got you on their email list and then they're able to hopefully, you know, gain your business and to keep sending you information and stuff. No, I think it's a really smart thing to do. Yeah. It's, there's many, many fun ways you can play with email. I know for some people they're like <laughs> fun. Um, <laughs> for me, it's fun. <laughs> awesome. 
Awesome. So Shannon, if you had one actionable tip for our audience, what would it be to get started? Aside from the ones we've already discussed, I think the best one is to just keep going, right? Because the more you send, the more you're going to get more efficient at it. You're going to get faster. You're going to get better. Your writing's going to get better. Because I know sometimes people tell me, well, I'm not a good writer. But again, as we discussed, an email doesn't even have to be that long. You could literally write one to three sentences and send it. Like It, it doesn't need to be a crazy novel. But I, I guarantee you, even as like I've noticed this a lot with my members in the group too, my, my membership is that they're saying like, I feel like I, like one girl was sending every other week and she was like, I think I need to start sending e- like weekly. I'm starting to feel like my audience needs to hear from me more often or I have more to say. And like, I'm starting to get to the point that I kind of want to start doing two a week because I'm starting to think I have more than I want to say in one week. And sometimes I do send two a week. So it's, I think just start and just keep going and doing it and make yourself have a little rhythm in your week that you send an email. And because it is crazy how you'll find yourself at Starbucks coming up with ideas for your email, you'll see yourself in a drive through or driving to the grocery store, whatever you do, right? You're going to start seeing emails everywhere you go. And you're gonna be like, Oh, that'd be a great email. And like I said, I find personally, and my members have been finding it just gets more fun as you keep doing it because you get better at it. It gets easier. It's more entertaining for you and your subscribers. So they enjoy it more too. So I say just keep going, <laughs> keep start and keep going. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So do you results. keep like a little journal of email ideas when you're in drive through and you're like, Ooh, email idea. <laughs> and you like jot it down. <laughs> I have many ideas <laughs> in my notes app in my phone. Uh, some that may never see the light of day because they're probably way buried in there. Um, but yes, sometimes I do often think, Ooh, that'd be a good email. I think that a lot actually, but yeah, I do often have ideas all over yeah. the place. <laughs> I do keep a tracker of all my emails too, because nerd alert of like my whole spreadsheet of everything. I actually provide that for my members too, for them to track their emails and see how they grow and how their list grows each week. And it's, it's real. I find it really fun, (laughs) but I'm a little bit of a data nerd. So my members really like it too. So I think it is actually fun for them as well. No, I think it's always fun to, to be able to see like the benchmark and see it continuously grow and and that kind of thing. Okay. One thing that I feel like some people that get used to sending emails and that kind of thing, they get discouraged by our unsubscribe rates. So talk to me about how to get over like that ick feeling that you experience when you, when you get that unsubscribe. And for the love of Pete, y'all don't have that sent to your email. <laughs> like just filter it. I can't tell you how many clients. I had a couple of clients who are like, they unsubscribed from my list. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm hiding all of these emails from this person. <laughs> so like just get rid of that first of all. But talk to me about unsubscribes and kind of like getting out of our own way when it comes to facing those. Okay, hold on question though. Is that Flota sending you the unsubscribes? Yes. It's oh, so right? weird. I have that all turned off. <laughs> She and and we we moved we moved her list from like an old platform to a new one. And so initially she did have a lot of who is this person? So you're going to have those higher unsubscribe rates. And she like was getting really upset by it. I was like, I'm just hiding all of this from you. (laughs) Yeah. No, let's turn that setting off. You do not need to know who's opting out. Um, although I do track it myself, just I will look at it to see and 
Because sometimes an email either doesn't hit, like I actually just the other day had to have a pep talk with myself about this because I had a relatively high unsubscribe for me. And it was just either the nature of the email, but I did look at who some people that unsubscribe, some were ones who have been on my list since I started and came on because they thought it was like a fun place, not, and they're just probably don't right. need it. And it's like a friend of mine. They're not going to buy. And that's fine. He, he doesn't need my emails in his inbox. That's okay. I, we can still be friends. Um, <laughs> it'll all be okay. So I had some of those. And then, so here are several things I would say. One, 90 probably 8% of the time, it has nothing to do with you or your email. It probably has to do with one, they either don't remember how they got on the list. Their inbox is crazy full because I think we're all dealing with that with our Gmail accounts that are ancient, right? Like I have a 20 year old Gmail account that's like full every day. It's like, bitch, clean me out. I'm like, sorry. (laughs) So I think we all have that problem. I was literally this morning, like imagining just unsubscribing from all my email lists. And it kind of gave me anxiety to think about the idea of leaving all my lists to just try and get it under control again, or even deleting them all freaks me out because I'm a weird email person. But anyway, (laughs) so sometimes people are just switching email addresses too, right? Like I've had people do that. I had somebody actually say like, she emailed me and told me I unsubscribed, but I'm resubscribing with this email address. And I was like, Oh, thanks for telling me. That's so nice of you. So sometimes people are doing that. And I heard this story from a friend of mine that I always think of now when I see unsubscribes and hopefully this will help somebody too. Email friend of mine told me, she goes, I just got the like strangest email from somebody in a good way. Strange. She goes, she emailed me and told me, Hey, I had to unsubscribe from your list because I had cancer and I just needed to clean everything out. So I cleared my inbox. I just unsubscribed from everything. And she goes, but your emails and I'm, I'm better now. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. I I've, I'm in remission, all this. And she goes, but your emails were ones I missed. So I got back on your list. And I was like, and she and I both were like, we are never going to worry about unsubscribes ever again. Cause you don't know what somebody's going yeah. through, right? Like you just don't know what they're dealing with, what, they have going on in their lives. And sometimes they just need space and it has nothing to do yeah. with you. So next time you have unsubscribes, know that sometimes, like I would say, like I said, 98% of the time it has nothing to do with you. Some things I like to do to help unsubscribes, or I find that this happens a lot is sometimes people forget why they got on your list. They forget who you are. So I always try to keep in my footer, at least my social links mm-hmm or a link to my website. Because that way, if they've forgotten who I am, they can easily click and go check out my website again, be like, Oh, right, this was the email person. I remember, do I want to say like, I actually did that recently, I got on somebody's list, and I forgot her name, because I just found her on Instagram or something. And so when her name popped up in my inbox, I was like, I don't need these emails, I'm unsubscribed. And I unsubscribed. And then I saw her unsubscribe page, and it had her picture, another great tip for you, uh, had her picture. And I was like, Oh no, wait, I love this girl. I don't want to be off her list. So I just resubscribed like right away. But like, what if she had seen me unsubscribe, gotten her feels, but then I was back on, you know? So again, I think that it's one of those things that we just want to keep in mind that like people have stuff going on. It probably has nothing to do with you. Again, if you're seeing a mass unsubscribe, I had a client do this once she went viral, which is great, but also terrible (laughs) for the email (laughs) stuff. And she got almost a thousand subscribes like overnight. It was kind of insane. And then we got tons of drop off when we sent the next email because I think people didn't remember why they subscribed, right? She went viral. They got on our list. They were really excited. And then they're like, who's this? And they started marking her spam. So we had to like put a note in there like, Hey, you subscribed, (laughs) you can unsubscribe, but please don't mark me spam. And people did stop marking spam once I added that disclaimer. But again, that's like another thing that could happen, right? Is like, sometimes people get on your list and they're like, Oh, this isn't what I thought it was. It's not for me. 
And that's good. Yes. Let them go. They can always come back if they change their mind, if they don't want to, you know, if they just, just let them yep. go. It's okay. There'll be a next person who wants your stuff a whole lot more than this person. I love that. Let's focus on who is there than rather who isn't. I love it. This is another great tip too. I like to put on my contact form. So if somebody contacts me, I'll put a little checkbox that is optional to click. They do not have to check yes, but it says like, would you like me to add you to my super cool email list or something? Like I put, I put something witty there. I can't remember what it is. And most people check it. And so I just add them because they they have checked that box and said that they want to be on the list. If you have clients, usually I think if you have paying clients, especially like for mine that were my photography clients, I kind of feel like they understand I'm going to email them, but I make it explicitly clear that they can unsubscribe. There's a big unsubscribe. You can also ask them to right? like you could say, hey, I'm going to, I have an email list. Do you want to get on it? subscribe here and put a button that way and email them that way too, to try and get them to want to opt in rather than you don't want to add people who don't want to be there anyway. Yeah. Make sure those are some ways you could try and get them to come onto your list rather than just adding them and making them have to feel like it's weird. I would love to find out like where you hang out, where can our audience check you out? Where do you spend your time? Yeah. I basically live on Instagram. So feel free to come connect with me there. I'm at Mrs. Vondi. I'm sure they will drop a link for you below. You can connect with me there and I feel free to come into my DMS, whatever. Like I love talk again. This is my favorite subject. I could probably talk for another hour about email. So probably more. <laughs> so feel free to come ask me any questions you might have, or just connect with me. Let me know if you like this episode. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also go to my website at the email Co, C-O. And you really should follow Shannon online because you get to see her beautiful huskies, John and Betty, and their daily walks and all of her fun plants. It's it's a fun place to be. <laughs> oh, thanks, Shannon. <Jen. laughs> well, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you so much for joining on this episode of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. If you are loving our content, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to our channel or left us a review. You can always hang out with me on the gram at Success Beyond the Lens. Hope to see you guys next week.